You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, here in the House in Northern Command of Conservative Review. It's late Thursday, and gosh, uh, thank you for all your get well wishes. Why does everything have to break loose when I'm sick? Uh, We got immigration. We got Healthcare. We got the budget. We got Obama. I mean, funny I say Obama, but Trump keeping Obama's foreign policy. A lot of stuff that you won't hear about elsewhere. We could talk about McDonald's. We can talk about nonsense, or we could talk about what's actually important. Um, you know, I've worked through this week despite being sick because I actually felt for the first time in a while we're we're making a difference. We are making a difference here at Conservative Review. Um, You see how on message the conservatives have finally become understanding the crux of Obamacare, what the key elements are, what needs to go. um, And and we're really making progress there. I do want to get back to the judiciary next week with the Gorsuch hearings. You see my writings from today, just the two articles out there on literally the courts creating an affirmative right to immigrate. I do want to get back to that, but I want to get to something else. We have a right to health care, but not in the way Bernie Sanders says it. We have a right to free market health care. We have a right to pursue happiness, to engage in contracts with anyone who wants to offer us any plan, any health care, unencumbered by government regulation, government subsidization. Why can't we have that? And for today, because my voice is so terrible, I've mentioned before, I wanted to have a special guest on, someone I've really come to admire the more I read his writings, Professor John Cochran, Senior Fellow of the Hoover Institution over at the left coast, uh, Stanford University. He's also, among many other things, adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Um, He also has a really great economics blog, a grumpy economist blog. I'll link to all this in the show notes. And I'm sorry I didn't see all this before I gave you guys my 20-point outline on free market healthcare, but he wrote an article, a journal article in 2014, um, titled "After the ACA: Freeing the Market for Healthcare," and uh, lots of good stuff I want to discuss. And then the big question I get asked from everyone. What do you do with the pre-existing conditions? You're not going to hear this anywhere else. This is a real gem. With no further ado, hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing great. Not not sick. Um, so sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might that, have to deal with the healthcare system soon. <clears throat> no, I know. I was just thinking about it, and, and, and that's the point. And maybe that's a good way of of getting this, you know, started off before we get into pre-existing conditions and everything, stuff like that. But you know, I'm a healthy young guy in my 30s, family of th- three kids, three young boys and a, and a wife. And, you know, thank God we're all healthy. And, you know, all I want now is probably at worst it's bronchitis. Maybe it's the flu. Maybe you get a Z-pack, amoxicillin. And it's insane. You got to go to an office. You can't do it, you know, telecommute, tele- telecommute in that sense. You got to get a prescription, all the regs. <coughs> 
coughing up a storm here. Um, and then you have third party payer. First little stinking thing, you could wind up paying hundreds of dollars for nothing. And I want to start off before I shut up here, which I need to. Um, his one important quote from this article, and again, I'm going to link to this in the show notes from I got it from uh, after the ACA. Your first sentence to me is golden. What our audience has been understanding from our previous podcast, my writings, what we're dealing with with the current Republican cluelessness on free market health care. Most healthcare economics policy discussion takes for granted the bulk of our current legal and regulatory st- structure, and in particular that the government will have a heavy hand in providing, paying for, and directing the private provision of and payment for health care. To me, that is exactly what's going on now, that nobody could see or is willing to see beyond the existing paradigm. So you have this false choice. Well, Daniel, we have Venezuela healthcare. And and to quote, you know, what you say all the time, uh, 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 a healthcare system that looks like a mini bar in a hotel room, this is it. No one could afford it. So now how much are you going to subsidize or are you going to let people die? And, you know, it's a tough choice because, you know, what are you going to do? How about freeing up the market? What does that look like in this context before we get to pre-existing conditions? I just want your general thoughts on what you're seeing now in Congress. Um, yeah. Um, well, before we get to Congress, uh, let's, let's talk about the big issues because the, the good people in Congress are negotiating some hefty political minefields. They're not debating exactly how do we run great free market healthcare, and because and they they can't. That that right now wouldn't pass. Uh, but I think you're exactly right. Um, the the problem is the discussion focuses quickly on who's going to pay for it and how. Um, taking and, and forgetting the fact that um, the health care market is even more screwed up than the health insurance market. Um, so why is it, for example, you can't just go in, uh, you know, pay the 20, 30 bucks and, and get fixed uh, that it would take? Even a hotel mini bar actually posts the prices. <laughs> you can know. I mean, it's as if you, you take that little bottle of whiskey out and then afterwards it's a $1,000 insurer discount, negotiated this, what's your plan, the rest of it. Uh, so the, the deep problem is the health care market. Uh, not even worse than the insurance market. And it's funny, we've spent all this time on who pays. I'll tell you my, my joke version of it. it it's, it's as if um, uh, we're, we're debating who's going to pay for the taxi, uh, but it's pre-Uber, 5 p.m. New York on a rainy Friday, and you want a cab to LaGuardia. Because <laughs> the government pays for it doesn't mean you're going to get a cab. You're going to get good service, <laughs> uh, or it's going to be cheap in the end. So, yeah, the, the biggest problem is, is health care. And there, um, the regulation of it, you mentioned a lot, um, the restraints on supply competition, uh, try and come in and, and undercut the local hospital and see how far you get. Um, there's all sorts of devices to screw you and me, the American consumer, who in the end are paying for it, whether through taxes or, or fees or insurance or whatever, we do end up paying for anything. So yeah, let's talk about uh, that part. And, and you were asking about the ACA. We're all focused on who pays for things, how much will insurance cost, but there's 999 other pages of the ACA all about how this market stays uh, sliced up with a few big, very monopolized, very regulated payers. No, exactly. And and by the way, you mentioned something I th- I thought was very important that 
the existing incumbent powers, the incumbent, you know, just like you have incumbency in politics, you have incumbency in industry, and that's fine. Uh, you know, you, you have the right to protect your uh, um, your turf through lawful means, but they go to the government and use the boot of government to protect themselves. I'm, I'm reading, you know, a lot of people ask me, hey, Daniel, well, you know, if what you're saying is so great that it's the regs that are hurting everything, well, why is the industry not, not support you? And I always say, well, yeah, I mean, the industry would rather have um, – you know, uh, the, the regs that drive up the price, but then they have the guaranteed subsidies and it blocks out anyone else with economies of scale. Um, I'm reading to, I just want the audience to hear this Bloomberg article. Anthem CEO jo- Joseph Swedish talked with Trump and Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price about elements of the GOP plan that he'd like to see enhanced. Such And, and what are they? <laughs> so he doesn't say getting rid of the regs, which actually destroyed healthcare and, and health insurance with Obamacare, but such as making sure that cost-sharing subsidies continue and that Medicaid is appropriately funded, the company's finance chief, John Galina, told investors at a conference on Wednesday. And then they say Swedish also discussed, quote, some of the things in the bill that we want to ensure stay in the bill, such as the elimination of taxes. So they just don't want taxes and they want subsidies. I mean, yeah, the, unbelievable. The existing companies always like regulation because it keeps out the disruptive competitors. The, the guy who says, huh, I, I could run an MRI clinic in your town. And, and if people were free to come to me and were paying cash, I could undercut the local overpriced hospital. But but that's a huge threat to the uh to the to the healthcare the current healthcare system. So never look to any business to be the advocates for free markets, deregulation, and especially the important kind of deregulation, which is is letting new people come in and, and undercut. It was it was not United Airlines that said, Oh, we want deregulation, let Southwest come in and clean our clock. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you have Pepsi and Coke going on and on for years. You're you're not usually going to have innovation of one over the other, like you you say in your article and, and you know and many other writings I've read that it's always the new guy in the block that's going to innovate. Yeah, um, exactly, and that's you know our hope for healthcare is that the new guy in the block will innovate. That's the same way that uh, right that the the Southwest came in and and undercut United. That's how we got cheap uh, airfare. You, you, uh, similarly, you know, Walmart came in and, out and undercut mom and pop stores. Amazon.com came in and, and is <laughs> undercutting Walmart. Um, the existing businesses hate supply competition, but that's where you and I get better quality, lower prices and, and all that sort of stuff from. And so that really that uh, I wish the discussion was much more about providing health care than about insurance, uh, which increasingly is phony insurance. Uh, you know, you get a card, but that doesn't actually mean a doctor will take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And, 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 and the funny thing is we don't even have insurance. Um, yeah. and, that, and that that's the thing about Obamacare that, you know, a lot of people talk about the subsidization. But it's not just the fact that the regs, you know, guaranteed issue, community rating, all the, the, the Congressional Research Service lists about 24 regulations I counted. Um, and of course, none of them are addressed in the current GOP bill, which is the sole source of the price inflation. But it's not just price inflation. It's, it's 70% of counties have two insurers left in the individual market. 30% have one in Eastern Kentucky, Tennessee has zero. Um, and that's going to grow, you know, within the next year or two. Um this is not yeah, and, this. And then, yeah. 
even if you sign up with one of those insurers on either a subsidized silver plan or on on Medicaid, most of Obamacare is now about Medicaid. It's oh, about, yeah. uh, can, can you know? Will people take free stuff from the government? Uh, not not that many people are actually paying full freight stuff. But suppose you get one of those plans and you show up and say, De- uh, "Dear doctor, uh, you know, will you take the they, they don't take new Medicaid patients. <laughs> they don't. Uh, the, you know, the copays are huge. So you're not even really insured if you have a, one of those things. And there's only one or two left, and the prices are going up like crazy. Right. No, absolutely. And look, at some point we got to have you back to just in general discuss what free markets look like, how to get there. Um, we can go on forever, but I want to hone in on what everyone asked me. You know, I was on, some of you guys might have heard me, I was on Sean Hannity a couple times last week, and he always asked me, all right, Daniel, what, how do we answer the pre-existing uh, condition question? And obviously, you know, our audience is very intelligent. You know, you guys are schooled into many of the things we've been pushing. And certainly, if you actually made the individual market great again, you had portability and you had equity and tax treatment and all these things, um, you know, prospectively, you would isolate and minimize the problem. You bring down prices, better competition, all the the supply side reforms we have that, you know, in, uh, healthcare itself would come down. So, you know, even if you don't have insurance, all right, so a, a knee replacement will be $18,000 instead of $120,000. So maybe we could could raise the money, charity, minimal government subsidization if you want to come in there. But I want to, that all would, would help. But there's one particular idea that you have that I, I know Sean actually really yeah. liked this idea. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to say? That's health status insurance. Could you explain what it is, how it would work, and most importantly, how we would make it happen? Okay. Well, um, I'll try and, 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 and figure that out. So first, the important point here, um, pre-existing conditions um, is not a feature of an unregulated free market. <laughs> <laughs> the feature of it's an it's one of those many um, side effects of government regulations. A, a free market would not create a pre-existing conditions problem. Uh, now it takes a little while to figure out how how it would do it, but um, a good example is uh, term life insurance. So if you buy life insurance when you're young and healthy. Um, and uh, and then you get sick, they do not raise your rates. Why not? Because it says right there in the contract, if you buy it when you're young and healthy, we're not going to raise your rates. And if you uh, change jobs, since it's a policy you bought, um, they still don't. You don't have to go get new life insurance, so they don't raise your rates. Um, I pay 30 bucks a month. Yeah, because you signed up when you were young and healthy. Now, that's exactly what a free market health insurance system would do. There's nothing in the economics of health insurance. There's no market failure. There's no, you know, all those list of things you you slept through in your econ classes about why markets don't work. Uh, That is what people want, and that's what insurance companies would give them if they were allowed to without being sent to jail, which they would now. It's, in fact, a uh, product that was um, being developed, that that, uh, came out and was being developed before Obamacare, which um, uh, got rid of any chance of it. so one, the easiest way is, is, quote, guaranteed renewable. You sign up for a policy, and they, they say, fine, so long as you stay covered. Um, if you get sicker, we're not going to raise your rates. And, and that's what policies were back, back before. Unfortunately, a lot of people did the good thing and bought those, and then they, they were um, the ACA um, uh, made, made companies uh, stop those contracts. 
So that's the easy way to understand it. Um, then there's now. One, now, one, now how how would the how would the payout work? So you have it, and then you know, okay, then someone gets heart disease or diabetes. So what would happen? Well, so the simplest version to understand is is you sign up for an individual contract. The way you sign up for um, uh, term life for for life insurance, and the company says, "Fine, this is your now in in a in a free market world, your employer doesn't give you health care. Your employer might want to contribute to your individual policy, but there's no special tax savings or whatever. Health care is something you buy, just like you buy cars and boats and and lawyers and construction and, and contractors and so forth. So you have a health care plan and you buy it when you're young and it follows you into your job and follows you out of your next job. It's something that stays with you. And it says, here's the premiums. And uh, if you get sicker, we're not going to raise your premiums. We keep you covered. That's the simplest version. The health status uh, insurance is, is a way is a, a way of making it even better, <laughs> of letting you change companies without um, uh, having having your rates go up. You know, you, if you got sick, you're on the mercies of one particular company to keep paying. Well, if you have the right to change companies, uh, then uh, that will uh, th- then you have the right to go somewhere better if you want. And uh, the health status insurance idea was, was, I thought, very clever. It unbundles the uh, annual life insurance with a separate insurance policy. I'm sorry, the annual health insurance with a separate policy that if you get uh, re-rated into a higher cost insurance, um, health insurance plan, they give you enough money to pay for it. So, so let me just review here on um, with the employer base. Now, you know, obviously, yeah. we we would love to end that. The government, you know, that was the original sin. Obamacare before Obamacare. We'd love to get everyone in a personalized market, but you know, not by throwing people off, but from a you know position of strength, making the individual market great again. Um, but for now, you know, the people are do get employer based. Um, you're saying they would, you know, have whatever employer the typical plan they have, which unfortunately now is more of a payment plan rather than insurance. But whatever, okay. Yeah, we'll get to that part two. <laughs> That's part two. Okay, whatever. Um, but we have this insane, it's just ridiculous weight on the economy that people will not leave jobs, start start their own businesses because oh my gosh, I'll lose my insurance, especially if they develop exactly. some sort of condition. Well, here, all right, you know, leave your job. And then what happens with the health status insurance? So, so let's just this is one of these great unintended consequences. Ponder the question: Why is it that your employer gives you your health insurance, but you buy your own home insurance, uh, you buy your own car insurance, you buy your own car? Why doesn't your employer provide you all those things too? Well, in its wisdom, in the 1940s, the government gave companies uh, the decreed that companies who provided you health insurance that was not taxable compensation. So there's a tax subsidy for employer-provided health insurance, but it doesn't apply. If you were a good boy and bought your own health insurance that was guaranteed renewable, the employer cannot contribute to your existing policy. You must go on the employer's plan and tear up the policy and all its protections that you had beforehand. Right there, we destroyed the initial, the ability of the individual market to protect people against the pre-existing conditions, because if you're going to get a job, there's no point in buying long-term health insurance, because you're going to have to tear it up. If you lose your job, then you're back onto the, the individual thing and you, you don't have those protections. 
Um, so it is really kind of that that is sort of the original sin of health insurance right there. And the answer is right. This health insurance should be something you buy at, at least if we're going to subsidize stuff, at least let employers contribute to a plan that you own and take with you when you leave. Um, it's just that tie to, to the employer that's the, the root of all the problems. <laughs> no, absolutely. And um, what, what, what I wanted to get from you is, you know, how, how do we do this? So I think we all know that if we didn't have a... There's, I think part of the problem is people say, oh, this is great. My employer gives me this stuff for free. That's wonderful. No. Well, uh, well you, I, I, you would I, be getting 20 grand a year more yes. uh, income if your employer weren't giving you health insurance, which you could choose to spend on health insurance if you want or cheaper health insurance if you don't want or, or a new car if you if you wanted to. Uh, nothing is free in this life. It's also um, our, our government likes to pretend it's not taxing and spending by saying, we will force employers to give this to you. That's the same thing as we're going to tax the employers and, and, and give you stuff. But it just it makes it look like we're not really Denmark. No, no, exactly. It's it's just off budget, all this stuff. And is, so, so as we head forward in the current debate, the context of where we are now, this is a very important innovation that you've been advocating for because I could tell you um, – the single biggest thing I get is everyone gets now, all right, you're right, Daniel, the guaranteed issue and community rating, the requirement to cover everything under any circumstance, even after it happened at the same price as the community, that is single-handedly, along with some other regs, has made insurance insolvent, driven out people from the market, and doubled and tripled premiums. That's, that's at its core Obamacare. We need to repeal that. But Daniel, I get hit with the constituents, and everyone, everyone asks me, about the pre-existing condition. So what I'm not clear about economically, and what I wanted to get from you is this. We all know that had we not had not just Obamacare, but again, the 50s era employer-based tendentious tax treatment that created the original sin and several other interventions, you would have an entire, you know, several hundred million people in one market and you'd have to meet consumer demand. You would have things like health status insurance working like life insurance. It would very much minimize the whole need, the whole the problem pre existing conditions. But now that we are where we are because of government intervention, let's not forget that. And let's not forget certainly the pre-existing conditions are not covered under current law because there won't be any insurers left. Everyone will be like Knoxville, <laughs> Tennessee. And, and and that's very important. I, I told Hannity yep. that yesterday, and he, he liked that. Meaning it's not – a couple of years ago, it was more like, all right, Daniel, well, most people hate Obamacare, but what about the people that really benefit because they're just subsidized and whatever, pre-existing conditions? Well – that's that's moot at this point because it's all going to collapse. So I think there's enough understanding from conservative members on that. But how do we tell? What do we tell them? What mechanisms? You know, we can't write in the thing there. There shall be health status insurance. What would it take to get that off the ground? Would we have to simultaneously, while repealing Obamacare era regs, also get rid of the? tax inequity problem or is there a way with the existing individual market if we got rid of all the regs and exchanges and subsidies would there be enough consumer demand that it would be profitable for companies to do this well so um yeah we're, we're, politically we often get stuck that um, the transition's hard so we never go to a better place um so i think yeah first let's outline what the better place is and i, and I do see signs of progress so in, in the uh, current um 
house plan. I, I gather there's this provision that um, if you have con- that the the uh, protection from pre-existing conditions holds if you have continuous coverage, which is that's pretty much that's a step in the direction of uh, you sign up and then you have guaranteed renewable uh, renewable um, uh, insurance. Um, the problem is uh, we have all the people who contributed to the system and then got sick. If we just start the if we start free market nirvana tomorrow, those people uh, are are in in deep trouble. So it's going to be expensive to get out. Uh, I think, you know, you're going to have to face the fact that the transition will be costly and people who uh, are sick now um, and who, in one reason or another, uh, don't have insurance, uh, you're going to have to subsidize their insurance. Um, and But, you know, 10 or 20 years solves a lot of problems. <laughs> and if you can get uh, new people on, uh, new healthy people into a good plan, uh, you're going to have to cost pay for the mistakes of what we did to old sick people. Uh, but then, you know, uh, 10 or 20 years goes by really quickly, and then we have a much better healthcare system. No, exactly. And, and, and that's what I've told a lot of members. I said, look, you know, I could tolerate some residual retainment of medic of some form of Medicaid expansion or some um, degree of subsidization, one tier in income or, ex- you know, with conditions, chronic conditions over and above Medicaid and S-CHIP temporarily, if at least for the remainder of people under 65, at least start there, middle class, at least have a free market with no regs and subsidization. Let me just Sure. One issue on Medicaid is let's separate the issues of what do we do for really poor people, you know, people who have no money, chaotic lives of one sort or another. They're going to need some sort of charity care. But why should your and my health insurance get screwed up to provide them with some sort of charity? <laughs> that, that, that's the enduring well, lesson of Obamacare. Some money, fine. The second principle is um, let's. It's going to cost us money to do a transition, but it costs us. If you do it right, it costs you money once. You pay. You know, uh, on January first, two thousand eighteen, people who have pre-existing conditions, you get a nice big check from the federal government, and then we're done. We're not going to sub subsidize people with subsequent pre-existing conditions until the end of time. So transitions done right cost you once big, but the key thing to our not not having our government finances explode (laughs) is to not turn things into perpetual entitlements. No, exactly. And certainly not create the impetus for it, which is just regulating it to death. So we get rid of those regs. And, and and you're pretty confident that, you know, forgetting about the ones that already have pre-existing conditions, but that there would be a, a market that if we repealed Obamacare, a market going forward to offer something similar to life insurance, this health status insurance that a family could take out for their kids even before they go off to college, even when they're really young or just born. Um, that would ensure that status, that there would, I mean, because people throw at me that, oh, Daniel, well, you know, what's going to happen is it's not profitable to, to ensure something like that. Well, it's it's profitable at a price. (laughs) Now, it's not just Obamacare. Remember, Obamacare was, it's the little old lady swallowed the fly and then the cat and then the spider and so forth. Obamacare is just the horse, but uh, I forget what she had just before the horse. Uh, (laughs) Also, there's a whole lot of state-level regulation, a lot of guaranteed issue, community rating, mandated benefits, um, interference in supply competition, health care. A lot of that is state-based, too. Uh, So so you need to, you need a, a... bigger regulatory overhaul than just Obamacare. It, it, but yep. It's certainly true that um, 
uh, the market will provide if it's allowed to charge a price. Now, suppose you have, you know, cancer or something of the sort. There would be happily insurance willing to cover you if they could charge the price. The price would be huge. So you need the, the money to pay for that price. And that for people with current pre-existing conditions, you know, they're, they're going to have to get a voucher or something of the sort because they just couldn't be in there when, when we went back to free markets. Um, for other people, yeah, you buy it when you're young and healthy, and then you're going to have the money to be able to pay that high price when you get older and sicker. Sure. And, and in terms of voucherization, like I said, you have to restore, not that we really ever had one, but you know what I mean, at least to pre-Obamacare levels and hopefully even more, get rid of the state regs, and then you have the supply side and HIPAA and EMTALA and all this stuff. Um, and then you actually have, you know, and then obviously solve the employer um, tax treatment issue, the tax equity issue, you get cross state lines, you get HSAs working, you get more portability, cost consciousness. And then what tends and, to happen and, and, is... Yep. Sorry, by, by getting rid of, of a lot of the tax subsidies, uh, insurance needs to go back to being insurance. You mentioned this before, and I think this is really important because most Americans don't realize. You know, your car insurance doesn't pay for your oil changes. <laughs> your home insurance doesn't pay for new light bulbs. Uh, why not? Because if you had to go to your primary home uh, insurance contractor, get something faxed across in triplicate, and then your light bulb referral, you know, light bulbs would cost 300 bucks a piece. Uh, Health care needs to be the same way. Stuff that's under a thousand bucks, you should pay for, it. and and just you pay for it, and you go to the cheapest place, and then the, you know, the uh, the jiffy lube of healthcare shows up, and <laughs> the next thing you know, it's it's cheap and available, and you can go get your bronchitis fixed in in, in a reasonable time. In reasonable time, and that, and that's the thing. I think the problem is a lot of Republicans get so scared about the free stuff crowd, and there's nothing you can do about that. And what I tell people is that. You know, with these people, with socialism in all aspects of the economy, but especially healthcare, um, in pursuit of a utopia, they create a living hell. We don't advertise utopia. It's going to be the cheapest array of you know most products for the broadest amount of people. Um, but you know, nothing's free. Obviously, we all pay easily one to two thousand a year on phones and cell phones and smartphones and internet. You know, your AT and T or Verizon bill. Certainly for healthcare, between out of pockets, premium. And whatever you're going to wind up paying for a family a few thousand a year, but you don't want to pay 15, 20, 25,000 a year. Or if you're chronically ill, you're going to have to pay more. That's your challenge in life. Or if you need some sort of charity or some sort of group uh, help, you'll have that. But we don't want to have to pay millions of dollars. And it's, everything is kind of tiered. And I think if once you make it more manageable, so then the subsidization will be cheaper because you're subsidizing something cheaper. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's part of the way that it's, the costs have been driven up in, in the interest of, quote, consumer protection, unquote. Uh, you can't just go down and get the amoxicillin you know you need. You have to go probably to an emergency room because everything's closed, charge the insurance $400. And it says, oh, yeah, you need amoxicillin. Then you go down to a registered pharmacist. Who didn't so it's just this whole thing. I think the, the bottom line is to get good low price and good quality. You need two things. People need to be paying some of their own money a good part of their own money, yes, and therefore shopping. Uh, and second, you need active supply competition of people trying to offer you better services and, and elbow each other out. And you need those two things. And, and then it's just, I think it's amazing what we could see in terms of better quality and lower price and better means of access in healthcare. Remember, the problem with healthcare is is that the, the anecdotes take, their, uh, take over from logic. And you just go, oh, a guy with a heart attack can't negotiate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
99% of healthcare is not a guy with a heart attack. 99% yep. of healthcare is managing your diabetes or going to the urgent care clinic because you got bronchitis. <laughs> it's uh, you know, or or you know, signing up to a healthcare plan ahead of time. It's not unexpected sudden things that come out of there. And and for those things, um, you know, like as LASIK has has provided. You know, great quality, low prices because people just pay for it out of pocket. Uh, the rest of healthcare could have the same sort of thing. No, for sure, and and, and I think there is a certain t- Obamacare has done. If we only harness the opportunity, it has done for us some good in the respect that I think they finally got it out of their system. We had this debate for years, um, and it sounded nice. You know, make insurance cover companies cover everything. That that sounds great. Um, but we did it, and it's destroyed. So I think we have this opportunity, But and we're running out of time here. But one question I always get asked, and I'm trying to do, you know, when you want to do this at a federal level and try to bring down prices as much as possible, you honed in on something very important. We could repeal Obamacare. We could do a couple of other things. What do you say to members of Congress? They're like, man, a lot of this garbage on the supply side um, – you know, with the certifications and the AMA monopoly on the hospitals and, you know, anyone who wants to start a startups and in telemedicine and any innovative way of delivery, it's all regulated by the states. Is there anything more we could do at a federal level as a force multiplier to kind of, I don't know, like not bully, but, you know, uh, signal to states where, where direction is headed? Uh, well, there's a lot of, uh, first of all, get rid of the stuff at the federal level. There's a lot at the federal level. I mean, the, the FDA is one of the big, mm. you know, the, the shenanigans you've seen over uh, generic drugs where so, somebody buys it and then jacks up the price to $900. And then the answer is, of course, price controls, which is ridiculous. The answer is supply competition when the supply is all restricted by the government. Uh, that's a legal question, uh, which I'm, I'm not really an expert at. You know, what? once we get you're, – you're asking a, a lovely question. Once we get the free market-loving Congress to um, <laughs> completely deregulate, get rid of the federal impediments to regulation, what can they do to, to, to twist states' arms? They seem pretty good at twisting states' arms at things like Medicaid expansion. <laughs> so uh, I'll leave it to our very clever politicians to figure out how to twist states' arms. Uh, once, once we have the free market nirvana in Congress and the administration, how does twist states to go along? We, we uh, could only hope for the enough. best. We're a long way. From, we're a long way from there. No, we'll, and, we'll, you know, there, yeah. there are things that are uncomfortable to get in the way, uh, and and I think one, <laughs> it's a it's a serious political problem. Is that. Um, for example, you want cheap health care? There's a lot of Filipino nurses who would like to come in and offer you great service and a lot uh, and a lot lower prices. So, you know, restricting immigration, uh, high skill immigration is well, we're doing it to keep up American wages. Well, <laughs> someone else's American wages are your American costs. Well, and, and you talk about wages. Wages very important. I mean, people don't realize the AMA is basically. We think of labor unions as kind of menial labor, and but I mean, the AMA is basically like that with all the certification of needs and and just restricting on the. Um, if you could speak a little bit in the final segment here, uh, to what we're seeing on the medical school and the, the on the supply side, and that how that hurts. Um, the you know yeah, healthcare so the, the AMA, and not just for restricting the supply of certified doctors, but also requiring the use of certified doctors. You know why do you to get your bronchitis prescription need to see a a real doctor and not a nurse practitioner down at at the Walmart mm. clinic or something of the sort? Oh, anything would go for this. Yeah, this is nothing. 
And and but then there's there's also uh, so there's a you know, whole lot of regulations uh, of that sort, um, and regulations against uh, you know in many states there's still certificates of need. Imagine how happy United Airlines would be if if Southwest in order to open a new route had to go and plead for a certificate of need, and all United have to do, had to do was say well if they opened it up that would lower our profits and that would end the whole project. Uh, so we still got that kind of thing going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell my listeners often that what's going on behind closed doors now is basically the equivalent of lobbyists for the Postal Service working together with government to box out FedEx from ever coming into existence. Um, except and, and email. <laughs> yeah, except the Postal Service actually does pretty much. They do deliver. That, that, that's the thing. This thing isn't even working. But um, it's uh, it, you know, and, and this is the thing. You know, this is not even right or left. There's a lot of people, you know, when you start talking about limited government, they'll turn off or spending or whatever. But I think when you give over to them. Like like you've done in in terms of Southwest Airlines, Walmart, Amazon, give people a sense of what what is right in America, what what works well when you have unregulated choice and competition, and and yeah, you know, you had another great line in this piece. A little bit of freedom goes a long way. Sure, you're not, you know, even if you if you have a little bit of paternalism, a little bit of government regulation in some areas, um, and uh, for sick people, but why should eighty percent of it be a dumpster fire? Uh, well, a lot of the reason is is to hide the subsidies. Yes, we we will take care of. We are a compassionate society. Poor people, disabled people, uh, mentally ill people. We should be doing a lot better job for these people. But um, in, in order to help them badly and not have it show up on the budget numbers, we screw up your and my health insurance. Uh, in some sense, if you pay just a little more on budget, we could have just tremendous stuff off budget. But I think there is a deep problem, both right and left. Uh, it is very difficult for Americans. We've gotten so coddled on the idea that insurance pays that the notion that even though you're perfectly happy paying out of pocket for your own your iPhone and your and your contractor, the idea yes. that you should have to pay something for small health expenses just seems strange uh, these days. And yes. uh, most of our politicians, right and left, are not free market, meaning they're not willing <laughs> to trust that, you know, if, if you deregulate, we don't have to figure out the answer. There are going to be uh, businesses who will come and will figure out the answer yeah, you a know, lot better if you let them do I'm, it. I'm really that ticked about that. That that is such a good point. Yeah, because I, I get this all the time. It, it, it's like we have to show a utopia. We have to have every answer to every problem, even if the problems aren't inherently in the free market. And they're often the source of the problems are, are government intervention. But these guys could fail like hell, like we see in front of our eyes. It could become like Venezuela. I mean, our healthcare right now is like Venezuela's uh, supermarkets, and somehow there's no problem. Like they could just continue skating by. Yeah, um, and you know the, the problem is it's hard to see the better world. Interestingly, you know, you, you said that the left is is I don't think they're really they're still on the single pay, single payer idea. Interestingly, while while most of Europe is moving away from that pretty fast and towards private insurance, no, they they never get it, and and, and that and that's the thing. I mean. Um, what, what's so hard, I mean, Reagan always said, we're just one generation away from losing our freedom. And I always thought the profundity of that statement is that, you know, liberty, freedom and free markets don't perpetuate themselves. 
right? Because at any point you could just take it away. But once you have government intervention, then people like us are left, you know, trying to just, you know, very honestly try to solve it. And then you get demagogued, you get all this stuff. And, and like you said, there's been a mentality fostered in society because of the third party payer and the fourth party payer and the employment and everything that people think, you just hand in the card and get nothing. I mean, if you want to pay nothing, then yeah, I mean, you can't really beat that and it's unsustainable. But if you're, but, but I do think one thing, and I, I know we got to end it here. I'm curious what you think about this devilish thought percolating in my mind. At what point do people like us say, look, you know, we're not going to fall on our sword anymore. Why don't we actually wait till this thing does collapse instead of just portending it and actually we're, 50, 60, 70% of the country doesn't have insurers left. So there's no more, oh, well, if you do this, then the people with the conditions getting the subsidies, well, there won't be anything left. Do you think at that point we'll actually have not just an opportunity to repeal Obamacare, but to actually repeal some of the original sins better than we have now? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, in some sense, the the, uh, the architect of Obamacare got bailed out by the election because it was one year from complete collapse. Mm. And now, in some sense, that's on the Republicans' watch. Um, I, I, I think we're at a delicate moment. I, I think, actually, the current House plan, though, you know, it's not the free market nirvana we'd want. Uh, they've got to get something through under reconciliation. Um and, uh, you know, the, I think the Democrats are currently playing the game. We'll just be the resistance and say no to everything and then take over in two years. So, you know, they've got something imperfect that's going. And then um, after spending eight years complaining that Obamacare was, was passed with no Republican votes, it's going to be really hard to have a replace plan that has no Democratic votes. Um, so I think that's that's the game they're playing. And the important thing is to see if, if they can get this one through and and convince the other side that it's not all going away. What can they really put together for the, the real replacement plan, which is the one that comes, I don't know, in the fall or in the air next year? You know, I was just thinking tragically, Trump would be the perfect ambassador to signal market forces with a degree of certainty. If he could use his progressive populism, you know, calling in carrier and saying, all right, I'm going to shake you down if you if you leave. If he would actually call in the healthcare CEOs and say, all right, guys, here's the deal. No more regs and no more subsidies. I mean, and when I say no more, I mean, outside of the Medicare, Medicaid, just, you know, the, the under 65 middle class, there's going there is going to be a free market. Right, right now they just act because you, like you say, the paradigm is that we are going to live in this world, and they're just going to act accordingly. I call it venture socialism because they act in a capitalistic way in response to the socialism. But if yeah, you, act, yeah, that's a nice dream, but I don't think it's going to happen. First of all, the existing businesses are like the existing airlines, nineteen seventy-five. They have no interest whatsoever in that deal. And I don't see a lot of free marketism coming out of the administration. <laughs> now that sort of the Paul Ryan end of the Republican Party, yeah, there's some real belief in free market. But you know, guys who are willing to throw out 250 years worth of, of wisdom on free trade um, don't. You know, they they seem to be more into the deal among the big established businesses. We'll see. Uh, they're they're still kind of sorting out who they are and where they want to go to. But no, definitely, definitely. Well, anyway, we can hope. Thanks for all your time. This is tremendous. I was supposed to go 25 minutes here, but I know our audience loves it. Would you come back again? Of course. This was a great pleasure. Good questions. Really appreciate it. God bless and thanks so much.
<laughs> you too. Get better. Take care. And there you have it, folks. That was Professor John Cochran of the Hoover Institution. Real brilliant mind on healthcare and economics. And, and, and that's the thing, health status insurance. These are just some ideas of what we could have if we actually had a free market um, to deal with consumer demand, to take care of problems. It's not a utopia, but you're going to cover as many people for the cheapest price um, and just make any degree of intervention or subsidization that much simpler or cheaper to deal with thereafter. We're out of time here. As always, support our sponsor, CRTV. Get your subscription and prepare with CR.com. Patriot Supply, make sure you get your 140 meals for 99 bucks. So in case you get snowed in like we did this week. Anyway, my throat's killing me. Gotta run. God bless y'all. And don't miss next week will be our 100th podcast. Looking forward to it. Until then, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.